Jesus is risen. Hallelujah. Better than that. He is with us. Better than that. He is right here. Here. In this place. Better than that. He wants to breathe his spirit into our lives and raise us from the dead and give us life. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. We praise you that you are here in our midst as you have promised. Thank you that you meet with us no less really than you did with those first disciples gathered in that upper room. Thank you that you speak your word of peace over us. You command us to fear not and you breathe your spirit into our lives. Jesus, will you breathe your spirit into my life? May my faltering words be a means by which your spirit draws us to you so we might truly worship you, adore you, lay our lives before you for your glory, always in your name. Amen. Now, um, I'm probably going to risk some kind of heresy here, but um, why... I was just thinking as, as we were worshiping now, what is it? What was it, is it, that makes Jesus the most amazing, fully human person that ever walked the earth? We could answer that in many ways, but the way that I want us to think about that this morning is that he was a man of prayer. This was how the fully human Jesus walked with the Father, saw what he was doing, followed his lead, heard what he was saying, spoke the truth, prayer. And we know he was a man of prayer. Sometimes he went off to be by himself. Other times he clearly was praying in the, in the, uh, the earshot of his disciples, but I'm not quite sure whether he was kind of including them in that prayer. In my imagination, I was just reading in Luke 11, preparing for, for this morning, you know, and there's that moment where he's praying and the disciples go over, okay, this is a bit of liberty, but he can't, I could just imagine them walking over to him and saying, time out, Jesus! Teach us how to pray. Now, I don't think... They were after a formula. I think they wanted to pray the way that Jesus prayed. They wanted his intimacy with the Father and know his childlike confidence. They wanted his passion for the kingdom. They wanted his freedom from fear in the face of great opposition. They wanted to share in his power for ministry. And he wanted to share it 
with them. First, he tells them what to pray. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. When I was reading that, I'd stopped. Daily bread. That could mean so many things, but what spoke to me in that moment was daily bread. This is Jesus saying we will receive everything that we need for the life of the kingdom that he wants us to walk in. Not just for our body, but for our soul and in every possible way. Then he tells them how to pray and tells them that story of a man who goes to his friend and keeps banging on the door until he gets what he's asking for. The prayer that prevails with God. Seeking prayer that expects the Father to fulfill his promise. Audacious prayer that presumes on his goodness. Persistent prayer that keeps knocking at the door until we've got it. I won't give up. Jesus concludes, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Perhaps this is our daily bread. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Because without this gift, there is no true assurance of his forgiveness. We cannot resist the temptation to forget who we are and whose we are. We will not see his kingdom come in and through our lives. This is a gift we must pray for every day, not just on certain occasions and revival moments, but be sure of this. If we do not have, it's because we do not ask. The early Methodists understood this. You see it over and over again in all those hymns they cut out of the later hymn books. Where in song we're invited to get on our knees and cry out to to Jesus, you put this spirit in my heart. You planted this hunger in me. Come on. You want me to have this thing? That's what your word says. Well, I'm here asking for it. Now give. Do not delay. I'm a prisoner of hope, faith. Come on. Come on, Jesus. Charles Wesley. (sighs) Listen to these words from Psalm 81. Put to song by Charles. Give me the enlarged desire, and open, Lord, my soul, thy own fullness to require and comprehend the whole. Stretch my faith's capacity wider and yet wider still then with all that is in thee my soul forever fill. Psalm 81, 
You shall have no foreign God among you. You shall not worship any God other than me. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. That was the word that woke me in the middle of the night to share with you. I'll get to the question of foreign gods in a minute. But first, let's dwell on the prayer and the promise. You see, we must come to God with wide, open mouths. Now, let's be clear. This is not about how many words we say. It's not about how loud we say it, although I quite like to be loud sometimes. <laughs> how loud we say it. It's about how hungry we are. The hungrier we are, the wider our mouths will be. Think of the young birds in their nest squawking until they get what they're asking for. Actually, what comes to my mind is trying to feed our baby children, you know, when they're in the, their high chair. And I can remember playing that game with, with food on the end of a teaspoon and bringing it towards the mouth. And the nearer it gets to the mouth, no more my mouth opens up. And, you know, occasionally you have to do choo-choo noises and things. But, you know, <laughs> eventually it goes in. But there's this wide open, that's a mouth. This is, this is how we, this is what it means to be childlike. To receive from the Lord. If we open our mouth, the promise is that our Father will fill it. Not just that He can, but that He will fill it. The question is not whether the Father is ready uh, to fill us with the Spirit. This is why He sent His Son to die and to rise. Not just to forgive us of our sins, but to draw us into communion, a living communion with a living God through his living spirit. If we do all of that and forget that, then we miss the point. The Father desires to feed us so much more than we ever desire to be fed. I have three simple questions for us this morning. The first is this. Are you hungry? Are you truly hungry for the kind of life that can only come from the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Let me whet your appetite. Are you hungry for a spirit of life? The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead who puts us to death and raises us to new life every day, who transforms us from anemic believers to exuberant saints, who puts within us a stream of living water welling up to everlasting life. Are you hungry? Are you hungry for a spirit of love who will shed abroad in your heart and cry out, Abba, Father, who gives new birth as children of God and transforms us into the likeness of Jesus, who fills us with perfect love, frees us from fear, who sets our hearts ablaze with zeal for his glory and makes our hearts burn for the least and the lost. Are you hungry? 
Are you hungry for a spirit of power who breaks our bondage to sin and death? Who frees us from timidity in the face of great opposition? Who fills us with power to overcome all fear and doubt? Who assures us to the core of our being that we can trust God completely and put our lives into his hands? Who strengthens us against the odds for a life of joyful obedience? Who enables us to do the things that Jesus did? And even greater things. Are you hungry? Are you hungry for a spirit of prayer who intercedes for us in times of difficulty, who fills our hearts with yearning and groaning for the purposes of God to be fulfilled in our lives and in the world around us, who convinces us, convinces us that if God is for us, nothing can be against us, who makes us more than conquerors through him Who loved us? Are you hungry? This is the secret of prevailing prayer. The prayer that is always answered is the Spirit's own prayer in us, groaning, yearning, mourning after the things of God, the fullness of His Spirit. He is the one who plants a hunger in our hearts. He is the one who urges us to open wide our mouths. My second question, are you willing to be filled? My question is this, or rather my point is this. I know that you want the blessings of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to assume that. I'm going to assume that unless you have quenched the work of the Spirit in your heart, that which I've just described, is that what you really want? But my question is, do you want not just the blessings of the Spirit, but the Lordship of the Holy Spirit? Not some vague life force. We've all watched one too many Star Wars movies. Please. Not some vague life force, but the second person of the Holy Trinity. I believe in the Holy Spirit The Lord, the giver of life, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified. Okay, now it's time to remember the first part of that, uh, those verses from Psalm 81. You shall have no other God among you, or worship any other God than me. It's our sin, you see, that causes us to seek life elsewhere than Jesus, than the Father's love. And we always end up worshipping that which we think will give us life. What are the gods that are demanding your worship? The gods of health, wealth, happiness, the gods of money, Sex, power, drugs. You know they're false gods, right? With false promises. 
but you also know how they tempt us to believe that we can have what we want and stay in control of our own lives. That's the lie. You know they end up enthralling us to their power all too quickly. So here is my question again. Are you willing to be emptied of your God so you can be filled with the Lordship of the Holy Spirit? Do you desire to be convicted of your sin for the Spirit will not tolerate our selfish hearts and foolish lives anymore? He will insist that we die to our sinful selves and surrender our lives in complete obedience to Jesus. Do you desire to be set in opposition to the world? For the Spirit will not allow us to flirt with temptation or wink at perversity or be indifferent to the things that God hates. He will insist that we go the way of the cross. That we set our minds on what God desires and take his word as the rule of our lives. Do you desire to have your whole life conformed to Jesus? For the Spirit will not allow us simply to do what comes naturally anymore or to follow what the world calls common sense. He will insist that we follow Jesus, go the way of the cross, embrace a life of service and perhaps even be hated by the world for it. Do you desire to have your heart set on For the Spirit will want us to be consumed by just one thing. He will insist that we give our whole lives to God and lay down our whole lives for the salvation of others. Are you willing to be filled? My last question. Are you ready to open wide your mouth? Open it wide, because the Spirit is implanting within you a hunger for His life and His Lordship. Open it wide, because you have been enslaved by false gods and are longing to be free. Open it wide, because you have tried controlling your own life, and it's left you starving to death. Are you ready to be consumed by purifying fire? Are you ready to fall on your knees or flat on your faces in repentance? Are you ready to cry out to God and refuse to take no for an answer? In a moment, you're going to have an opportunity to open your mouth. How wide will you open it? And to receive the body and the blood of Jesus. Will you come hungry for all that Jesus has done for you? To die for your sins, to bring you forgiveness, to assure you again that you are indeed the beloved of God because that is why on the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread. And he gave the Father thanks. And he broke the bread. And he gave it 
to his disciples and said, take this and eat it. This is my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. My body broken so that you may be healed. In the same way, when the supper was over, Jesus took the cup and gave the Father thanks and gave it to his disciples saying, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant that has been poured out for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You're going to be invited to come and open up your mouth and receive everything that Jesus has done for you. But let's go the whole way. The reason that Jesus did all that for you is because of all that he desires to do in you. And that's why we pray, Jesus, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us as we gather here. Fill us, Jesus, with your Spirit. Do not just speak a word that we are forgiven. May that spirit within us deeply cry out, Abba, Father, thank you. I am yours and you are mine. And may we not simply settle for being newborn, but to grow up in your likeness and to know the joy of what it means to follow you. Day by day, come, Holy Spirit, we pray. You're going to be invited to open your mouth and take the bread and the wine and know the Spirit of Jesus given to you. But will you open your mouth wider still? It's going to be an opportunity for you to be anointed with oil and prayed for. This is not, I want to say, this is not just a prayer for the filling of the Holy Spirit because I don't want to just do a revival kind of thing here. You know, when you take the bread and the wine and you open yourself to Jesus, he will give you his spirit. What I'm asking you to do, if you come and it will be, and you feel that the spirit is doing this in your life, is to come and receive an anointing to be made yet more hungry. to be anointed as a sign of your willingness to open your mouth as wide as it will go. A recognition of the groaning that the Spirit has implanted in your heart, an act of surrender to the Lordship of the Spirit, a commitment to pursue the Spirit-filled life day by day, no matter what the cost for the joy that is set before you, a resolve to keep your faith on full stretch, a way of opening wide your mouth so that it may be filled with all the fullness of God.